when I read about Jan Reers making a necklace of all the toenails he'd had come off while running and also some friend's toenails. This was long after Marshall Urich had all his toenails removed in 1992 to deal with chronic issues from his high running mileage and told ESPN in 2009, I'd like to think I've got a reputation as an ultra runner, but I'd say an equal number of people know me as the guy with no toenails. Hi, this is Glenn Estes, and I'm a big-ass runner from Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, home of Wild Turkey Bourbon. Welcome to the Big Ass Runner podcast, where we entertain and encourage trail runners from all over the world. Now, here's your host, Jeff Harrell. Well, thank you, Glenn, and that was a, a bit of a blast from the past. That's an intro from one of our earlier episodes a couple years ago. We've been doing more of that lately, mainly because we getting a little sentimental about having 100 episodes and being around for almost two years now about to celebrate our two-year birthday appreciate each of you and appreciate you glenn for doing that intro several years ago that we wanted to bring back a little og intro for you well welcome to the big ass runner podcast my name is jeff harrell this is episode number 103 we got such good feedback from our Man, is it hot episode last week, 102. The temperature is about the same. 103 is about what we are experiencing here in the North Texas area. And I know a lot of others are, are getting the heat as well. We are hoping for some coolness to come our way soon. We need it. Things are drying up, fires and all that. So we are really hoping to get some cooler weather and some rain. That would be amazing. Well, I think we've got a great show planned for you. In in segment number one, you're going to hear from someone that to me is such an inspiration. We had her on episode 43, almost a little over a year ago, and that's Courtney Boyle. Courtney has now completed the Cocodona 250 two different times. We talked to her about it the first time she did it a year ago. This year, she did it again, but did it differently, and we'll talk about that. But she is such an inspiration. You're going to love this conversation, mainly because Courtney's great. <laughs> That's why you're going to love it, and super insightful, especially if you're considering running a race with friends. Such a good interview. And then the second segment, we hit a hard-hitting question that will keep trail runners and ultra runners up at night. We will tackle that one. We're not afraid. We're going to do it. Segment number two. But before we get to that, part of what we would like to do here at the Big Ass Runner is to encourage and entertain. That's the filter we use. If we feel like we're not encouraging or entertaining one or the other, or it both if possible, then we've kind of lost our purpose. And we're here for the everyday runner. That's kind of the three things. Encourage, entertain, everyday runners. They all happen to start with E. It's amazing. Well, something my wife said to me the other day was, I hadn't. I don't know that I'd heard it put this way before, but it really resonated with me. And I wanted to share this with you. There was something I missed. I think it was a training run. I think it was a track run that I missed. It's hot here. I was supposed to get up and hit the track, you know, get in a few miles late in the evening, and I just didn't do it. And I think I mentioned to her, I should have gotten out there and hit that track. And she said, don't shit on yourself. I said, mm -hmm. well, what'd you say? Don't shit on yourself. And that is so simple and so powerful. Shoulda, coulda, woulda doesn't really help because because all you're doing is beating yourself up. You're looking backwards. And instead, say, okay, well, I missed that run, but I can get the next one. I can move forward. I can look forward. I can be optimistic. I can have a 
mindset that says, I'm going to get the next one. No big deal. Missed the last one. Going to get the next one. It reminds me of a friend of mine, Jim Johnson, that says, just take the next right step. Don't worry about what happened before. Take the next right step. So if you are a bit feeling a bit stuck in your training, a bit stuck in life, you're shitting all over yourself, don't do it. Just take the next right step. Move forward. Things will get better. I thought that was just a great way to phrase it in was 100% what I needed to hear. Hopefully that was something that you needed to hear as well. Well, with that, let's get going on episode number 103 of The Big Ass Runner. Well, now joining us on the Big Ass Runner Hotline is the great Courtney Boyle. Courtney, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you back on. And and by the way, if you did not catch Courtney the first time we had her on, we had her on back on episode 43. That was, I can't believe it, Courtney, it was over a year ago, May 24th of 2021. You were fresh off your first endeavor at the Coca Dona 250. And we want to talk about your second one. And and we were talking about this before we hit record. I was so glued to the computer watching the live coverage of that race. I think Aravipa does a great job of, of following that. They've got a live stream going. It feels like almost the whole time. And I happened to sit down towards the end of the race. And they had someone with a phone or, or a camera or something about a mile out from the finish. And all of a sudden, I see these three friends kind of dressed alike finishing together and it was Courtney. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's Courtney. And it was so cool to see you with two of your friends. And you guys obviously were just having the, the best time finishing. So I want to start there. Talk a little bit about that moment. Did you know you're on the, I'm sure you didn't know you're on the live stream or maybe you did. And talk about that moment, what it was like and what it was like finishing with two of your friends. It was so amazing. The person recording the finishing started with us like a mile before the finish and i'm not sure if he just ran back and forth all day long capturing people but for you know we we approached the town the city come into flagstaff come down off mount eldon into town and then all of a sudden at the light there there's someone like filming so we knew that and he ran with us you know the last mile is and yeah, I think at that point, this year the race was 100, was 250 miles. Last year it was 257. But at that point, it's just all so surreal because, you know, it's on the tail end of, for us, five days, basically, of running. And to come down through town with everyone cheering and you go through this park and there's like all these families and fun runs happening and, um, and then to finish with three, with the three of us, with two of my best friends, just felt unbelievable. A lot of people asked us going into the race, you know, the, the single biggest question that we got was, you know, what happens when you guys split up or what happens when one of you drops out? And that wasn't really something that we considered. It was kind of like, we're all in this together. And so to make it to the finish line, all three of us together was just unbelievable. And the other thing that was really amazing about that live stream was that people everywhere like yourself could watch it. And so my girls, my two daughters who couldn't be there, they got to watch me finish live. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. That is so cool. Yeah, you you answered some of my questions because and and we'll get get to a little bit about you know the race itself and and your strategy going in, but I'd love to kind of rewind a little bit, go back to last mm-hmm. year. We talked to you about your race last year, and you, it, it was such a insightful interview. Again, I hope hope you go back and listen to it if you haven't. If you're listening to this one, you need to go hear Courtney's description of her first race. But after that first race, this is a monumental, I mean, this is, like you said, 257 miles, really difficult. 
at that point, were you thinking, you know what, I want to do this again? Like, what, what was your thought process at that point in time? When I finished the race last year, no, that was, that was nowhere in my thought process. I think it was like, oh, I'm so glad I survived this. But they, there's this thing, I'm sure it's come up in some podcasts with you about ultra amnesia, where you like walk away from the race and you sort of remember all of the amazing things that happened and kind of all of the pain and suffering that went into it kind of is diminished in your memory. And so about a month later, when they opened up Coconut for this year, I just, something inside of me, honestly, just was like, you know what, that broke me down to the rawest I've ever felt and built me up in such a way that I have to go experience that again. So I signed up in June last year. And then, you know, of course, I've known that we're, we're I was going to do this. And then actually, my friends were the two that crewed me last year. Ah. And so they were there for the experience, but sort of viewing it from the other side. And because of that experience, they also were like, we want to do this too like we want to be on the other side of it and experience what it's like to run it so that's how that all came about that's awesome i was going to ask you whose idea was it to run together but it sounds like it was kind of a collective hey we saw it we were there with you we experienced it we want to experience it with you again on that other side on the running side was, was there one person kind of spearheading that or you just all kind of come to that conclusion well actually um what happened is you know, we last year, and I mentioned this last time when we talked, is that we had no idea what we were getting into. I hadn't run anything longer than 100K. And so to how to crew a 200-mile race, we had no idea. We kind of like walked in totally blind and just figured it out as we went along. And something so magical transpired through the course of that. So like just the incredible awe of the human spirit and how strong we are and what we're capable of. I mean, we all had this feeling about the race that it was, you know, larger than life. So I decided to sign up on my own for Cobodona next year. But then, of course, because now we're in the world of 200, the sort of Triple Crown and the Destination Trail 200 had sort of like bubbled up in our like awareness. And so actually my friend, her idea was, hey, you guys maybe want to do the Triple Crown next year like do something totally crazy. Like maybe we just like go for it and do these three 200 mile races. And why not? I mean, we're women, you know, middle-aged women. What other way do we get to spend time on the trail with our best friends? So we kind of thought like, okay, maybe we'll sign up for the triple crown, but I had already signed up for Cocodona. So then we're like, okay, well, we're going all in. We're going to do four 200 mile races next year. That is, I, I want to get to that. I want to get to that, but I, I don't want to lose what you said earlier because, you, first of all, I have not heard that term, ultra amnesia. I totally can relate to that because I do the same thing too. Like You remember the, all the amazing parts of it. You knew there were parts that weren't as great, but you're like, I, I got to do that again. So I love that. But you also talked about the, you know, the first time you did Cocodona, it just it broke you down, you said, I think to, to your core and then built you back up. Talk a little bit about that and and why that's such an important part. Because I think a lot of people, when they hear about long distance races, they just assume, you know, it's not going to be for them. It's not something they can do, but they don't understand maybe the the experience that you have coming out of it. So so talk to us a little bit about that. I am not the same person after a race. I'm not the same person who started the race. And actually, I didn't know that that's what happened. Except for that, our, one of the people who was on our crew at Cogodona, she said that to me. She said, at the start line, she was like, I can't wait to see the woman you become. Oh, love that. And I think that there's just something so magical about what happens. Because after two, three days on the trail, it's like the purest of feelings, you know? It's just the simplicity of having to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. and also this realization that pain is just a sensation because at that point things start to hurt and sort of that's kind of the part of the like rawness and being broken down is like feeling all sorts of different pain all sorts of different emotions and doubt you know the doubt that comes in of like can I do this right for me 
at a quarter into the race. So this like at Cocodona about mile 80, I legitimately this year was like, I don't know that I can do this. I don't know how I did this before. And I started to feel like I had the flu, but it was just an electrolyte imbalance. And I just had all of these doubts creep in. And then what happens is that feels real raw, right? Like pain, doubt, like emotional (laughs) instability, just all these things come flooding in. But then what happens is as we keep putting one foot in front of the other, it's like suddenly it transforms. And then all of a sudden, you know, like feeling like, wow, I can do anything. If I can run 250 miles, like what can, like what else can I accomplish? And just sort of that evolution is really, I think, just what makes it so meaningful. I love that, Cordy. And, and is it as simple as, as saying, just keep going? Like <laughs> Totally. Because you said, yeah, you know, all those words, all those words to be summarized with like, just keep going. <laughs> well, because I think a lot of times we over overthink it and think, well, you know, I've got to have, and, it, and you do want to have strategy. You, you do want to be prepared. You know, you do want to understand, you know, your electrolyte balances and all the, like all the things that go into it. But sometimes all that can be boiled down to just keep going and, and you'll, you'll kind of figure some things out along the way and, and it will get better. I think a lot of times when we feel bad, we think I'm always going to be feeling bad. Mm-hmm. But if you just kind of keep going, a lot of times the, you know, those bad feelings do go away and you, you, you get to some different feelings. And so you know, I love what you said. It's, it's keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and see what happens. It's so incredible. It can be five miles. It can be 10 miles. And the feeling can go from like utter defeat to total euphoria. And so somewhere around mile 100, I started this mantra of like, Courtney, to go through it, you have to go through it. Mm. <laughs> like I just kept repeating that in my head over and over and over again. Like to go through it, you have to go through it. And that's the way through it. You know, like I just kept, kind of kept telling myself that. And then the other thing that really helped me to keep moving forward was a friend when they'd heard at mile 80 of a 250 mile race that I was feeling the way I was feeling. They gave me this thought, Courtney, you have two choices. You can quit or you can keep going. Both hurt. Mm. And that was the other thing that I kept thinking about. And it does go along with the sort of like, just keep going because either way it's hard. That is so good. Either way, it's going to hurt. That's so good. Man, I I feel like I'm ready to sign up myself for something. Do it. (laughs) Well, I I wanted you to talk about your friends because I know it was certainly meaningful last year to do it. You'd never, like you said, never done something over 100K, 257. And the first, I know many miles, it was hotter than people expected. They ran out of water. I mean, last year was its own thing. This year was a different thing. And part of that experience this year was running with your friends. So tell us a little bit about your friends. Well, these two particular friends are friends that I've had a long time. And we actually know each other from summer camp. So we have a long history of being on trails together. and. I think part of that is just knowing each other on sort of like a really deep level. So all of that was really, really important for us to be able to show up and do this race together. The thing that's really interesting is actually we know each other from summer camp, but we had actually never all three run together. Mm. So the we showed up on the starting line. This was our first run together. Wow! So we're like, okay, we're going to run 250 miles together. It's going to be great. We had each individually run, you know, like with the other, but not all three together. And so we each had our own crews, and that was great because each of us have individual needs as a runner, and just throughout the race, we need different things and have different issues and different health concerns, and so that was great. But then every time, you know, we got back on the trail. We got back out there together. And then we did also have pacers who helped us, which was great so that they could bring a different energy, but we would always just have the three of us with one pacer. So, so great. Yeah, it was really, really great. I mean, 
to be able to do that and show up together and support each other through it. You know, it's, it's funny though, because we laugh a lot and we do a lot of ridiculous things. And this sounds like a really serious endeavor, you know, this whole running thing, but like we're out there just like goofing off half the time. <laughs> and we looked at our time at the end of the race and someone pointed out to us that it looked like we had one day of moving time and three days of stopping time. And so we're like, oh, that is a lot of messing around out there. <laughs> and that's part of the experience. Oh, yeah, definitely. It wouldn't be nearly as, I mean, it's fun. It's hard, but it's really, really fun. And we, I mean, we just like laughed so much and like made so many jokes, you know, half the way through there, we're like making new playlists to get us through the night, you know, we're telling all sorts of jokes and then you know you come out with so many inside jokes and just ridiculous things it's really great and going into you said you'd never run the three of you had never run before but obviously you spent a lot of time together going in did you say did you just feel like because we are such good friends and we know each other's personalities we know there's going to be highs because it's it's one thing to be friends when everyone's feeling good, but it's a different thing mm-hmm. to be friends during the highs and lows of an ultra. Did you kind of go in thinking we know each other so well, that's going to get us through those low times when maybe we don't want to be around each other as much? I think so. The warnings that we got from other people who had done races together was really like about that, you know, when things get really hard how are you guys going to handle it? And the good news is we all three had the same running coach this year. And so our running coach, you know, had the same conversation with us and we had done some sort of like pre-planning around it. And I think, but I think also for the three of us, we have a background in hiking and backpacking. So we're used to sort of like engaging that, what my friend Aaron calls the pusher muscle. We're used to, using that muscle where you have to grit through and I think the other thing that's really important is that we also just like have such respect love and admiration for each other that we didn't want to let each other down Mm. and so when it got hard and hard to show up for each other you know you're you're accessing that pusher muscle in a different way not just like to keep moving but also like to still show up for each other as like the best version of myself for this moment, the best, like a hundred percent of what I can give in this moment because they're relying on me. And so in that way, we sort of took an individual sport and, you know, made it into kind of like a team sport. Like we're relying on each other. We talked a little bit before we hit record about my experience at, at the black Canyon. And it was my first 100 K and I had so many people, and Sadie was one of them, make videos that my wife showed me throughout the race. And I knew people back home were tracking me and following me. And it was one of those things like, I don't care if I have to crawl to this finish line. I am going to, I'm going to do this. It, was that the same kind of thing you're feeling for each other? Like you have your three friends, like, are you picturing almost what we got to see live on the broadcast? Did you kind of picture the three of you celebrating as you're crossing that finish line. And that's what kind of gets you through it. That is such an important point that you're bringing up is that sometimes for me, I know for myself, I can speak for myself. It is easier for me to show up for someone else than it is for me to show up for myself. You know, like if I know that someone is watching or someone's paying attention. And in fact, this isn't something that happened at Coca-Dona, but this happened in my most recent race where I really did want to quit. I really did want to walk away. And my friend Aaron made all these emotional appeals to me of like, stay in it because of this, that, or the other thing, just make it to the next aid station and whatever. And I kind of was like, I'm done. I'm tapped. And then she said to me, Court, if you drop, I don't have a map. I didn't download it to my device because I knew you had it. And that one fact, that she needed my map kept me going. Wow. Just because I knew that she was relying on me. So powerful. So powerful. It, yeah, the the community I think when we talk about this a lot on the show, the community, the 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 encouragement, the iron sharpens iron, whatever this saying is, the relying on each other, not wanting to let each other down, so important. I I do want to hit on two things you said that I think in my opinion are are 
big time keys to the success you guys had in finishing together. And one was you said, I think at the beginning of this interview, we were going to finish together that, that we decided that we were going to run together. We're going to finish together. And I don't want to put words into your mouth, but the fact that there was no other option. Cause I think when I've run with friends before, it's like, Oh, we'll see how it goes. If we're all feeling good, we'll run together. But you know, if someone's not feeling good, we'll drop off. But I think predetermining that you're going to, we're doing this together through thick and thin. It's going to happen. I think that was, super important because there was no other option. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Last year, Cogodona, you know, I learned a lot about cutoff times <laughs> and, <laughs> and they become a real thing if you want to sleep. So you're sort of like managing how can I sleep the most as much as possible and still make a cutoff time. So what something that happened this year was I really didn't want to have to like chase cutoff times but because it feels like the grim reaper is like chasing you on the race but at the same time you know it just happens and then what's magical about these longer races is there is at some point like an aid station where if you make that aid station then you're pretty much golden so you just have to make it to there so we were like one aid station away from that and Saka said to me so she's one of my friends and she she had had a like her ankle was really giving her a lot of problems. She was having a lot of pain in her tendons. And we woke up to run and we had, we're facing cutoffs. We can't just walk from there. We do need to do some running. And she looked at me and just said, I don't know what I can do with my ankle the way it is. And for me, that was almost like hitting a release valve on like my stress level about the cutoff times because. I realized in that moment, like, we are all in this together. And if we make it, we make it. And if we don't, we don't. But we're sticking together. Mm. And it's going to be okay. And so, yeah, I think, like, whatever happens, we're all in it. It's so important for us. Because, you know, otherwise, it would be easy to just say, okay, well, you know, you can drop here and I'll just keep going. But that just was not, that was not our strategy and not an option for us. I love that. So if you're thinking about running something with friends, I, th- I think that's, I think that's the plan. Hey, we're doing this together. And if one of us has to stop, we're all stopping. And I think, I think if you go in with that mindset, you'll, you'll actually do it together. I think that was great. Mm-hmm. And the, the other thing you said that and I, I was going to ask you about crewing and how you guys handle that. You said you each had your own crew I think that is so important because when we had Coach Greg on a couple episodes, he talked about crewing and being a good crew member because I've never really crewed before. So I have a, have this kind of anxiety that I'll, I'll be a bad crew member, you know, because you're like you said before, you, you, you know, you want to do the best for your friend, for your runner. Like you want to be there for them. I want to be the best you know crew person I can be. And I think having your own crew, because, you know, in the moment, you have individual needs that you've got to take care of if you're going to make this race. I mean, it's a hard race. And I think sounds like that was hugely important that you each had your own crew so that that crew could then care for you individually so that you as a group could finish. It's true. I don't think I could have finished without my crew. Now, that's not to say that people don't finish without a crew because people do this with drop bags and no crew all the time. I don't know how they do that. I think that's really remarkable. It is as simple as like keep moving forward and put one foot in front of the other. But a lot of things happen out there. You know, like there can be injuries. Like there, you know, you we are sleep deprived. And so somebody needs to like force feed us at times and make sure our we have electrolytes and things like that. And like the needs are pretty great along the way to just keep moving forward. And so it was really great to have a crew. And then also, it was also amazing that one person on our crew, she happens to be a PT. And so she could really help us with like seat issues and things like that. Because I'm really fortunate that I, knock on wood, haven't had a lot of seat issues. But my friends, that's not their experience. You know, we had some like serious blisters and all sorts of problems. And so, yeah, being able to manage that is so important with having individual crews so that people can give you individualized attention because that is one of the things that, like, keeps you going at times. Like, getting through a 20-mile segment where you just feel really depleted, you're so excited, you know, to see the people, 
to see your people, your crew on the other side. It's so great. And then one other thing I do want to go back to that you said about the commitment of us, that having that commitment is so important. I also think a piece of that is that what is the expectation of the race? So for us, our expectation was that we were going out there to spend time together. Mm. You know, we, not one of us did it as like, a, I must finish this race or I'm going to get 10th place or anything like that. It was about like, we want to have this experience together and it's about that experience. So I think that that's really important too, is like understanding like what's the goal and expectation as well as that commitment then to stick together. That's a great point. We talk a lot on this show about your why and your why can be for a race can be different for one race than another race. One race, it may be to, you know, I just want to PR this race from last year your your why on this race was the experience together and and that makes it that much easier to stick together because it's it's not about finishing it's about as you mm-hmm. said the experience so i love that i think that's important for every race is like you know what is your why for this race what what's important to you for this particular race and i love it that you guys for you it was this experience together this epic week long amazing experience together you mentioned some, you know, joking around and having, having fun and, and inside jokes. Were there any any funny stories or any any unusual things that happened that week that you could share? So many, Jeff. I could probably tell you stories for hours and days. <laughs> we actually, so day one, we had a lot of energy and we were just so excited to be out there and you're meeting all these new people. That's one of the things I love about these kind of races or that, you know, now, now that I've done three, I love being out there because we meet people and then we get to see them again, you know, like, and, and it happens in shorter distance races too, but we start conversations and make these connections and stay in touch after the race, which is so neat. So we started and we created like all sorts of silly, ridiculous games, like, someone should try this game we instead of the kevin bacon game we started playing an oprah game (laughs) so connecting anything and anyone to oprah and so then we started taking you know coco does the thing where they put your name on your bib and where you're from and so we would have to take their name and where they're from and connect that back to oprah somehow (laughs) so that was a really really fun game and then the other thing is that because of the course changes this year with the fires there were two out and back and the first album back was amazing because we got to see the leaders and the top runners. And that was just really fun for us. And so we, at that point, like our backs had started getting sore, like our lower backs. And so we started like having this like ridiculous stretching where we'd like hold our trekking poles and like do a cat cow, just like really awkwardly and just <laughs> laugh hysterically. But we run into Mike McKnight, who is probably is one of the if not the top 200 mile race runner in the world maybe and we run into him and we're like mike you know like he's our friend and he's like (laughs) i don't know you guys but we're like we have a really great stretch for you you should try this stretch and it's like super awkward looking and he's like okay okay and he like stops and talks to us for a bit and he's like actually i prefer this stretch and he like swaps down to like stretch out his like quads and calves and things like that but that was super great that he stopped and talked to us and and that stretch is really great i can send you guys a video i have actually a really good video of it if anyone wants to use it i would love it yeah and then also you know like your pacers bring a lot of humor as well so our one of our pacers turns out is like this crazy naturalist and so we were going from Prescott through the Dells up towards Jerome. And in that, in that section, there's like a lot of wildlife and nature. And all of a sudden, our pacer is throwing out like, well, there's a horny toad and there's a this flower and there's a this cactus. And we're just like, what is happening? So I don't know. There's all sorts of things that happen along the way and lots of silliness. And then also, you know, there's a, a water crossing, a big water crossing. And usually there's pictures and typically people are falling into the water. So that ends up being quite humorous as well. And that's the beauty of, of ultras, right? It's these experiences, these things that happen 
It's these shared experiences, the, the idea that you'd run across a elite runner and he would engage and show you a stretch. It's like only in ultra running. Well, I would, I don't know, maybe, maybe not only in ultra running, but that's just one of the beauties. Well, and then he walks away and we're like, we just talked to Mike McKnight and all we could think about was talking about stretching. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, this is so great. I could talk to you for, for hours about this and just so, so excited to be able to see you guys finish again. When I, when I saw that and I saw it was you with your friends, it was such a, such a delight and such a highlight. I do have to ask, are you guys running, we're going to do the three, the triple crown of the 200s. Are you guys doing those together as well? So we are, except that, so we did just run Tahoe. The Tahoe 200 was a couple weeks ago. And unfortunately, Becca's ankle injury from Cocodona just prevented her from being able to run that. Got so it. Got it. Aaron and I ran it and then Becca crewed for us as well. So she still got to be part of it. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Courtney, this has been amazing. You are an inspiration. And I just, I love the way you, you are, you talk about the experience and, and are, you know, just transparent on how it breaks you down. It builds you up. You're a different person when you finish the race. And I think that's a perspective that not a lot of people have about ultra races. So thank you so much for bringing that to us. Well, thanks so much for asking about it. Well, we'll have you back on. I, I do want to talk because you, you've tackled Tahoe. So what's, what are the next two that are up? I know you said you want to do the, the Triple Crown. So the next race is Bigfoot, which is happening August 12th in the Cascades in Washington. And then the last race of the Triple Crown is the Moab 240, which is in October. That's awesome. Well, can we have you on after Moab and we can talk about your, your successful Triple Crown? That would be awesome. I'd love to. Thanks so much, Courtney, for joining us and look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks so much, Jeff. Well, one of the things we love to do is to give shout-outs and kudos to the big-ass runners out there just making it happen. And this week, I wanted to give a special shout-out and kudo to Courtney. We just had Courtney on talking about her amazing performance with her friends at the Cocodona 250. But she also just finished the Tahoe 200. So she did Cocodona in May and Tahoe in June. And she's got... July, I think August and October as well coming up. So, wow, great job, Courtney, on finishing the Tahoe 200 just a few weeks after finishing the Cocodona 200. You are an inspiration. Thank you so much, Courtney. Way to go. I want somebody to love. Won't you believe in Yes, I'm certain that it happens all the time. Well, here at the Big Ass Runner, you know, we'll talk about those topics in the trail running world that a lot of people are afraid to talk about or maybe don't want to talk about. Today is no exception. We are going to talk about, here's the question we're addressing. Are you really an ultra runner if you still have your toenails? Yeah, we don't like to talk about toenails. We don't talk, like to talk about feet, quite honestly. But it is a part of trail running, losing the toenails. And there is a, Stephen actually sent me this article. But there's an article in Outside Magazine. It's by Brendan Leonard. And he asked the question, are you really an ultra runner if you still have all your toenails? So, before we even dive into this question for you, Big Ass Runner Herd listeners right now, do you have all your toenails? Have you lost any? Do you have all 10? What color might they be? Man, that's gross. <laughs> There's usually various degrees. Sometimes you lose the whole thing. Sometimes you just have 
a black toenail. Sometimes you got one growing underneath the other. It there is chaos. It is chaotic. What's happening down there a lot of times. But Brendan asked the question, are you an ultra runner if you have all your toenails? Here's how he starts the article. A few weeks ago in a hotel bathroom, my left big toenail fell off. I mean, I gave it a little nudge and I had been expecting it to come off for a while. And I was leaving the next morning on a week-long sea kayaking trip. And I thought it would be a lot better to have it taken care of beforehand. Now, on said sea kayaking trip, I would be wearing water shoes instead of sandals. I made the switch before a raft trip in 2020 when I looked down at my toenails, hammered by a few hard years of running long distances, and said to myself, quote, no one else needs to look at these, especially not when they might have recently eaten and would prefer not to vomit all of that food they'd worked on so hard to masticate, masticate. That sounds, that sounds awkward and partially digest end quote. So I got myself a pair of water shoes and hid my little gross toe caps from view and have worn said water shoes on all river, lake and ocean activities since then. Brendan goes on to say, I have run a lot of miles on roads and mountain trails since 2015 when I ran my first ultra marathon. I've done a few mountain 100 mile races, a couple of hundred Ks and a bunch of shorter distance ultras. In addition to lots and lots of other miles up and down steep trails, despite all this time pounding the heck out of my feet, I managed to retain all of my toenails for almost seven years until the incident in the hotel bathroom a few weeks ago. When that big toenail came off, I thought, so this is what it's like. And also, am I finally an ultra runner now? Because sure, I've gotten belt buckles and medals at the end of races, but I felt like I was missing out on something. It just seemed like every other trail runner or ultra runner had fewer than 10 toenails and even asked on Twitter the other day, trail and ultra runners, do you have all your toenails? Well, Killian Jornet says, how many is all? <laughs> wink, wink. Charlotte Goodall says, yes, but the big ones are quite black and the second ones have turned into weird claws. <laughs> Jacob says, it depends. I have two that learned to periodically grow back and then die off by themselves. Others are black, some broken in various places. The great Amelia Boone says, I can't remember the last time I had more than five at once. And Jason Coop says, I have none. Well, Brendan goes on to say, I felt like I was doing something wrong. Should I work on running faster downhill, run more miles, steeper trails, wear tighter shoes? What was the password to get into this secret and also disgusting club? I was deeply flawed in some way, or did I have some sort of talent? Well, I'd like to stop here and ask the big ass runner herd, what's the condition of your toenails and do you need to lose them to join the trail running club. My vote is, of course, no. But unfortunately for some of us, that is not the case. I actually have, this is so gross to talk about, I feel like, got them all, but they're a little bit worn, a little bit chipped, a little bit different conditions, not, let's just say not pristine, a little bit of a mess. Brendan goes on to say, ask runners and they'll tell you that you lose toenails from wearing shoes that are too tight, wearing shoes that are too loose, wearing shoes that are too narrow, accidentally impacting a rock or other hard object with a toenail. That's how I got mine to be all jacked up is kicking rocks, which I do quite often on the trail. Having a middle toe that is longer than the others. Friction from a toenail rubbing on a tight shoe. Or just having toenails that aren't trimmed down enough. But Alan Rothschild is a podiatrist 
Allen told Runner's World in 2018 that toenails experience micro traumas from the toes hitting the toe box of the shoe when you're striding and your foot is behind you. As the other foot is hitting the ground and high mileage running basically equals a lot of cumulative micro traumas. Boy, ain't that the truth. Quote, runners can experience discolored nails, which is a collection of blood underneath the nail plate, in parentheses, subungal hematoma, close parentheses, as a result of microtrauma to the toe against the shoebox. He finishes by saying the blood gets between the nail and nail bed, the nail plate and the nail bed. I'm learning all kinds of new terminology. There's a nail plate and a nail bed. And eventually the nail falls off, and then a few months later it grows back. Well, Brendan goes on to say, a lot of miles doesn't automatically result in losing all your toenails. At the end of the highest mileage year I've ever had, in which I ran 26.2 miles 52 times, my toenails were intact. Not necessarily what you'd call attractive, but intact. I continued to wonder why I hadn't lost a single one And I've kind of started to feel like I was being left out of some weird club. Well, finally, last fall, after six years of running trail ultramarathons, I started training for the rut, Montana's steep as heck 50K. I did some steep runs, and after one with 5,600 feet of climbing in 11 miles, I noticed a little blood under my toenails. Then after the race, a little more. A few months later, I could see the nail separating from the bed, and a few months later after that, I could see a toenail growing underneath that was pushing the old one out. A few months later, the old toenail came off. I don't know what I was expecting, but the now visible replacement toenail on my left big toe was not a pristine, shiny, new-looking thing. It looked like it wants to be a toenail someday, like a little kid wearing an adult's suit, the jacket all but falling off to one side. I mean, I don't exactly talk to it like you call yourself a toenail, but I wonder if it will ever fill the shoes toe sock compartment of the old one. Brendan, I hear you. I've experienced the odd second toenail growth underneath. It's very strange. Things we don't want to talk about as trail runners, but my opinion is if you can keep all your toenails, good on you. You're still a trail runner. There's no magic club. You don't have to lose them. It's part of the deal. It comes with the territory, unfortunately. But man, if we could avoid it, how sweet would that be? And it is gross. We're all going to agree with that. I'll leave you with this. This is also in Brendan's article, but he says, <laughs> I'm going to leave you with this. Just get ready. The first time I can remember hearing of the phenomenon of ultra runners losing toenails was in 2007 when I read about Jan Reers making a necklace of all the toenails he'd had come off while running and also some friend's toenails. This was long after Marshall Urich had all his toenails removed in 1992 to deal with chronic issues from his high running mileage and told ESPN in 2009, I'd like to think I've got a reputation as an ultra runner, but I'd say an equal number of people know me as the guy with no toenails. Moral of the story, if you've got any... You're ahead of Marshall Urich. Congratulations. So with that, we've answered the question, are you really a trail runner if you have all your toenails? And I would say, of course, you're actually a fortunate one. Hope you enjoyed that.
Well, believe it or not, that is the end of episode number 103 of the Big Ass Runner Trail Running Podcast. Big, huge, massive thanks to Courtney Boyle for sharing her amazing experience running for the second time the Cocodona 250, this time with her friends Aaron and Becca as her fellow running partners and not just crew members. What an incredible experience that must have been. So thank you so much for your, just your transparency, your vulnerability, Courtney. Really enjoyed that. Also really want to say if you are dealing with some pain issues and want to try CBD as a solution, the best, in our opinion, the best CBD solution Myaderm, M-Y-A-D-E-R-M.com. Go there and you can get a 20% discount by typing in Big Run, 20% discount. I use it all the time. I actually use it at night as well on my neck to uh, to kind of ease that and it uh, helps me sleep. Myaderm.com, code Big Run, 20% off. Well, with that, again, big thanks, as always, to our amazing audio engineer, Steve Soliloquy Saunders. Well, with that, thanks so much for listening to this show. Get out there, hit those trails, and keep running your asses off. Are you an ultra runner if you have all your toenails? So here's how he starts the interview. Strike that. In a hotel room bathroom, my left big toe fell off. A few... His big toe did not fall off. You want a toe? I can get you a toe. Believe me. There are ways, dude. You don't want to know about it. Believe me. Yeah, but Walter... Hell, I can get you a toe by 3 o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. But a lot of miles doesn't automatically result in losing your toenails. At the end of... Sorry, Steve. You're going to have a good time editing this bad boy.